Welcome back to an all new episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Megan Reynolds. And I'm your other co-host, Madeline Davies. Later on in this episode, we will be talking to Molly Lambert, a writer and host of the podcast Night Call about true crime documentaries and our obsession with them. The fact that a lot of these serial killers are mediocre white dudes and then that they get sort of like a cult of personality around them is gross, you know? I feel like especially with Ted Bundy, that's what I've been feeling. Before we do that, Maddie, how are you? Um, I'm good. You're looking at me like you're going to stab me. No, I'm just tired. (laughs) (laughs) We've been sitting in here for a while. I was being very nitpicky with Megan. You were. And I love that. So, look, this (laughs) show needs a structure somehow. That's true. Um, So I'm not going to kill Maddie, even though it would be fitting for a podcast about uh, talking about true crime. Well, if if I show up dead, there's like a good red herring. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if anyone, I have the amount of times I've threatened murder just in general in my life, it would not be surprising. Um, But no, Maddie's alive. I'm not going to kill her. You seem to be doing fine. Yeah, um, as I told you before we started, uh, the second pipe in two weeks uh, <laughs> burst in my apartment. So New York City brownstone living is as glamorous as it seems. That's cool. That's fun for you. But, you know, just trucking through it. Yeah, that's good. Hopefully they're fixing the problem. That's And nice. the hole in my ceiling will go away. I uh, hope that for you as well. Because it sounds inconvenient at the minimum. Yeah, at minimum. Yeah. It's fine. Good. It could be worse. I mean, at least your apartment is still, like, there. I have a home. Yeah. Um, it's just there's know. a hole in the ceiling. Yeah. And, in, yeah, in two separate rooms, just oh. <laughs> big assholes. That has big assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's good. But, yeah, other than that, can't complain. Cool. Megan, how are you? Um, I don't know. I'm fine. It's warm out, which is wonderful, but also fucked up because it shouldn't be. It should not be. It's the beginning of February. It should still be cold. I had no idea what jacket to wear this morning. Um, I made a choice that I think is correct, but I'm sure as night falls, I will be freezing. I think you're going to be okay. We'll see what happens. Also, like by the time this podcast comes out, it maybe will have like snowed three feet (laughs) Um, because you just truly cannot predict any of this. I would love that actually because I, um, that'd be nice. I feel like we haven't had a big snow. I'd love a snow. No, thanks. Really? Just fun to look at for like a second. I like snow, Christmas and New Year's. Oh, that's it? Well, the problem in New York is that it just gets so dirty. It is disgusting. That's so true. So it's like you have like, it's really beautiful at first. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, the city is just like this picturesque blanket mm-hmm. of, of like downy romance fluff. and snow and whatever, right. And then um, within three hours, it's just like gray slop. Yeah. And like, like puddles that go up to your uh, ankles, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I that's my problem with Oh, interesting. It. I don't mind it. I like it. I mean, I don't like, like, the Frappuccino puddles. Those are gross. But, um, all right. Well, I mean, I I don't think—I think it's not going to snow. So, I mean, I think it'll be summer in, like, two weeks. Do you want to hear, like, kind of a very good insight into my childhood? I do. Which is that um, if I saw, like, a blanket of fresh snow Mm -hmm. and thought it was beautiful, I would walk through it because I was like, it should be destroyed by someone who loves it. Oh, my God. And I just, like, didn't— uh, I didn't trust, like, my fellow neighbor children to, like, respect the beauty of this prime nature. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. <laughs> it says a lot about it me. It does. I, I think it, I, I 
carry some of that with me to this day. You do. <laughs> that is nice. And that is enough about both of us. Yeah. <laughs> We went from talking about dirty snow slop to the dirtiest dirt of the week. (laughs) We're getting so much better at these transitions. Okay. Oh, this first item feels triggering. Let's do it. Um, I love to be triggered. I feel attacked. Okay. The Super Bowl happened on Sunday. The New England Patriots played the Los Angeles Rams. I almost said St. Louis, but not anymore. Um, it was a really boring game. Tom Brady sucks. I didn't watch. I did, and it was bad. Um, and the halftime show was like one of the most boring halftime shows I've seen that I can remember seeing in my lifetime. It was the Motley Crew of Maroon 5, Travis Scott, and Big Boy. I um, just want to say I've always uh, had a grudge against Maroon 5, and now I can add the fact that they're fucking scabs. Yeah, they are scabs. To the list of reasons why I don't like them. Yeah. And same with you, Travis Scott, and same with you, big boy. No one, lots of people turned down. I kneel with Kaepernick. Maddie is kneeling as we speak. Um, A lot of people turned down the Super Bowl halftime show. Maroon 5, Travis Scott, and big boy. Not so much. Did not. Um, Maroon 5's performance was especially noxious. Uh, my crush on Adam Levine, which had endured for some time. Which, ended. I, mean, I just want to let that just simmer. Oh, okay. okay. Megan's crush on Adam Levine, uh-huh. which lasted some time. It did. Okay, carry on. Thank you so much. Um, it came, uh, it died on Sunday night. Wow. The middle of the Super Bowl halftime show. It was roughly around when... He arrived on stage. Oh, so very soon. I'm thinking, actually. No, I think it was when he removed when I, when he was in the tank top. I was going to ask if before or after he popped the top. No, it was the ta- when he took off like his weird jacket, and then he was in that tank top, and then when he removed his tank top to reveal um, his man nipples, which were not banned by CBS. Hello, excuse no. me. And the most like upsetting tattoos. I mean, I knew his tattoos were bad, but seeing them in HD. They're really bad. It was like um, his tattoos are like a parody of a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. (laughs) (laughs) He has California in enormous letters in an arch tattooed over his tum-tum. Yeah. That's like, I'm just like, that's like what like you would joke that like Anthony Kiedis has. Yeah. He has really bad tattoos. He's a bad singer. He came out, uh, he just, he was, he was bad. I mean, as I once described him, a sentient leather wrist cuff. He is. Um, he also a, a tribal tattoo come to life. He is both of those things. And again, sometimes the heart wants what it wants, but sure. my heart has grown up and has realized that he's disgusting. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I feel great. Here. I no longer have a crush on him. And I would like to move on to... Let's hope Benhati Prinsloo does. <laughs> I think Benhati Prinsloo is somehow fine with what yeah. she's, what her lot in life. Sure. Um, here's a fun story that I love. Um, Liam Neeson almost made a racist murder, but he is glad that he did not. Again, I uh, same. 
Like, holy shit. This story is nuts. Here's what happened. This is from an, he did an interview with The Independent. Here's the quote. I'll tell you a story. This is true. I'm not going to use any names, but I was away and I came back and she told me she had been raped, but she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way. But my immediate reaction was, I asked, did they, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down areas with a cosh, hoping I'd be uh, approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. It's one of these things where, like, not to just, like, give someone who doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt. I feel like what he's trying to do is be like, yes, I had racist thoughts, and right. I worked through them and uh, evolved from them. And, like, he's doing what, like, white people should do more often, right? Is like, recognize our own right. uh, prejudices. Sure. Uh, and, you know, confront that and grapple with ourselves. Sure. But just, like, the setting of just doing it in the movie. Like, do it internally, first of Don't all. Don't do it in an interview, like, at a press junket, you lunatic. And I love that his coworker at the end of the story just goes, holy shit. Can you imagine sitting next to Liam Neeson and then he confesses that he had almost did a racist murder not too long ago. And you're just like, I mean, it probably was I like mean, a, lot, a while ago. Yeah, This was like but in like, like the early 80s, right? Still, like in my lifetime, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just it's whatever. I mean, OK, he didn't do it. So we should be happy for that. Yeah, also just like I just imagine him like walking around uh, Belfast sure. with a club. Just like, I just, I, Liam Neeson, man. I'm glad that he's like confronted that part of his life. Yes. I think it was a weird place to share it. Definitely. I saw um, someone tweeted something very funny that was like, Liam Neeson just acted out the no one meme in real life. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I saw that tweet also. I agree. Also, he's known to have one of the biggest penises in Hollywood. What? He is? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like how big? Like, I don't know. Like large. Yeah. (laughs) Just okay. something else. To <laughs> Just wanted to, you know. Cool. Did you see Widows? I did. I thought him and Viola Davis were like so hot together in Widows. Um, the way that they kissed in the beginning was disgusting to me. Mm. Um, I don't know if I liked. I feel like I felt. I fell asleep at Widow. I fell asleep during Widows. Didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say didn't wake up, but clearly I did because I'm <laughs> alive right here. Um, no, I fell asleep and I missed the ending. Oh. Um. Is that right? Yeah, I don't... It was fine. I maybe really I'll, liked it. Maybe I'll watch it again. Daniel was, Kaluuya is very scary in it. He was very scary in it. I'll give you that. Um, well, cool. I'm glad that... Le- again, I remain happy that Liam Neeson did not make a racist murder. Yeah. And we're just going to, like, keep on trucking. Yep. We're staying in the British Isles for Here this one. Here we go. I love it. Across the pond. 21 Savage. Yes. Who everyone thought was from Atlanta. Yep. Is a not- British national... Um, and was taken and was arrested by ICE. And mm-hmm. I just want to say something very clear okay. at the beginning of this. I don't think any of that is funny. Like, right. I think ICE is a horrible thing. I think it should be abolished. Uh, I don't think, even if, though he's like a famous person, I don't think it's funny. Mm-hmm. 
the memes that have come out of this, however, oh have been delightful. There have been, there were a lot of 21 Savage memes that I, I believe at one point on Sunday, I opened Twitter, looked for one second and then was like, mm, I'm going to close my computer now. And I did. And I felt much better about myself and life. But yeah. I saw one that was just like 21 Savage sips lean like this and it was the pinky out. Oh my God. <laughs> memes are just like so perfect for like where my brain is at where it's just like right. really simple and just like right. a picture <laughs> I mean it's that is that is nice I mean yeah. alright so he it's he yeah everyone thought he was from Atlanta because he talks about Atlanta um, almost exclusively in his music yeah um, well and he did grow up there yeah. he like moved there as a child right so it's not I mean he's Whatever, but he basically, yeah, he overstayed his visa. Well, I mean, what's kind of fucked up is that ICE clearly was trying to, like, make an example out of him. Right. Because he had applied for a visa that is right. pending. Right. Um, And, like, I don't know. It's just so—I hate everybody. Yeah. I hate the government, man. Okay. Um, But, yeah, he faces deportation and a 10-year ban from the states, which is, like, he's at the height of his career. And, yeah, I that mean, would suck. Of course, there's, like— people uh, at risk of deportation that are in far riskier situations. But um, regardless, it's it's really gross. So that's cool. Best of luck. What is this? Oh, no. Okay. Actually, I've changed my tune. A Goop series is coming to Netflix. I feel okay with this. Yes. I, right? um, I mean... I'll watch it. I won't. I'll watch it. I mean, she like... But what is it going to, like, what is she even going to do, know. you know? I just feel like the, like, pseudoscience of goop is already, like, it's, like, all, like, anti-vax moms who, like, love that shit. That's true. And I don't know. I just don't need to know if that's, like, the people who need a voice right now. I mean, it's definitely not. I'm just curious to see, like, how her how Gwyneth's whole thing, like how Goop is going to, like how they're going to make it into a series, like what exactly it's going to be. It's going to be like a docu-series about like a vagina eggs and also like not vaccinating your children. Is it going to be like some weird sort of like HGTV adjacent lifestyle content? Is it going to be, I like, I'm yeah curious. I will probably watch, my guess is it'll be like a 40 minute episode per thing. So I could probably do about half of that. And uh, make a decision from there. Her show with a known pervert, Mari Vitali, was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah. But that was just like about food. Just like a, I mean, I would watch – no, I would not watch a goop cooking show because I hate like goop – I like goop aesthetics when it comes to food. I think it's so awful. Mm-hmm. I like don't care for that. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm trying to think of what it is that I – I mean, I guess we'll just wait. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Unless we're dead before then. Also, just like what a marketing whiz. She's— Gwyneth Paltrow is like way smarter than I will. any of us ever give her credit it's for. It's true. Um, it's true. And for that, congratulations. Love to Gwyneth. see a powerful woman in cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> She—I will never forget the moment—the the day when I was in a room with her, she was— she was. She didn't look as impressive as I thought. Really, I think she is stunning. She, I when I was at the Goop conference, what are uh, in Goop Health last yeah. January? Um, I mean, I was. I only saw her from like a distance, and then I think she passed me kind of when I was like out milling about in the hall, and I just thought that I was like, oh, 
I yeah. don't. Mm. Not, I was more impressed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who I saw in the bathroom. Oh. Um, not to go full, like, Carrie Bradshaw oh, on you. can't wait. But uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, probably, like, this is probably, like, 2006, okay. I want to say, okay. was on the cover of Vogue, maybe 2005. And okay. it is, I still think, like, one of the most beautiful Vogue covers ever. She's like has like a huge flower crown and it's just like very, Oh, I know like, what you're earthy. talking about. I just I just I guess I just don't think she's like I recognize that other people think that like she is uh what's what I'm looking for? Objective subjectively no, objectively attractive. I just don't think she is. Yeah. That's all. She's beautiful. She's not attractive. Yeah, she's beautiful. She has I mean, she just looks a little bony. Yes, she's very thin. Um but sort you of, know, that's her choice. Razor elbows. Her body, her choice. Her body. That is what that saying is about. Her body. <laughs> her body, her choice. And here's some little sad news. Uh oh. Takashi69 pled guilty on racketeering charges. Mm. Um, okay. Takashi69, who was already, already uh, going to court on um, child sexual, sexual, sexual abuse charges. Uh-huh. Um, has been arrested by the FBI, who uh, I feel like that's kind of the end yeah. when, they, when they get when, to you. When the feds get you, right. Um, yeah, for uh, what do we got? Yeah, so it was, uh, he pled guilty to racketeering conspiracy mm-hmm. and firearms charges. Okay. Also, for someone who was so fucking tough in his music and always talking about how he's a blood and shit, he snitched so fast. I mean... Oh, well. He gave up so many names Jesus that I'm just like, what are you? I don't like, oh, you're really. Uh, Good luck to you, sir. Um, one thing that I need it. Hmm? One thing that um, our live show guest, Aja, and I were talking about yes. uh, backstage at our live show was how he um, oh, yeah. was uh, the sandwich guy at our neighborhood bodega. <laughs> um, so it was a very quick rise and fall. Yep. Just um, up and Couldn't down. happen to a nicer person. <laughs> I have one additional item that is not on this list that I just remembered as we were talking, and it is Andy Cohen is daddy now. He had his baby. His baby. Benjamin? Yes. Benjamin, named after his father, his grandfather, one of those. Um, It's a boy. Yeah, we knew that. Yep. It's Um, here now. Every single housewife posted the exact same picture that Andy Andy posted. Andy and the Um, the small baby. I'm glad that the pictures are not like the Prez Hilton ones. Yes. I mean, I, they never were going. I know, but just that fear is always there. No one who's like that me. good of friends with Anderson Cooper or whatever do that. <laughs> I just, again, the fear was always there. And uh, I'm just happy that it didn't happen. Yeah. I, um, I like his, the live show yesterday must have been pre-taped. Yeah. Or the live show on Sunday must have been right. pre-taped. Because I'm like, how on earth did, did you do all this? I mean, how does she do it? Yeah. I guess he probably like. They probably knew when the the know. child was being born, right? Um, so, congratulations to and to Papa Cohen. Papa Cohen, um, I uh, that child will want for nothing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Um, congratulations, Mazel, Mazel, as, as Andy would say, Mazel to you, Andy. And that's all she wrote. Today, I am so excited uh, to have Molly Lambert 
She is a prolific writer. She's written for the New York Times, Grantland, and more. And she's the host of the podcast Night Call. And she is here to talk with us about true crime documentaries. Hi, Molly. Hey, guys. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Very excited. Thank you so much for uh, doing this. You're in L.A. and we're in New York. So it's nice that you were able to that we were able to make it work. Oh, yeah. And just to be clear off the bat, you are the Black Dahlia killer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. (laughs) Cool. I've been hiding my identity all these years, but now you've unmasked me. You also look so great for your age. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And it's because... Uh, I'm immortal. That's great. That's wonderful. We have an exclusive with the Black Dahlia Killer. (laughs) You heard it here first. Okay. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Maddie, for that. Um, So true crime documentaries are kind of at their peak right now in that, I don't know, they're coming out really rapidly. They're hard to keep up with. Um, I mean, just some that have come out over the past few years. I think it kind of started with Serial, I feel like where yeah. they had that big hit NPR did as a podcast. Uh, Molly, did you listen to that? I did not, but, I mean, I, I absorbed the the discourse about it. Yeah. Oof. I also, I tried to, and I, I couldn't. Oh, I listened to Serial, and I remember, in, I think I enjoy it. Tw- 2014 seems like so long ago. Um, <laughs> I think I liked it, but maybe it was a more innocent time. I mean, I hated Sarah Koenig, and I still do. I stand by that, and I will till death. Oh, but okay. um, yep. Uh, I mean, Serial was like fine. It was like nice to be absorbed by something. I think I was just always very uncomfortable with how the victim's family wasn't okay with it. That did suck, um, and it just felt like a very like one sided story. Yeah, um, and I don't know to like hear like if I just was thinking if my like diary from when I was sixteen, seventeen years old got read aloud to, like, a bunch of, like, thirsty-ass NPR listeners, mm. I would be mortified. I would want to die. But that's kind of yeah, the, it seemed, yeah. It seemed exploitative, which I feel like is what you guys are saying we wanted to talk about today. It's kind of like, where's the line? Yeah, exactly. That one seemed exploitative. Yeah, it's and it's weird because it's like, I don't know. We also have, like, Making of a Murderer, mm. uh, Netflix, 2015, The Jinx, which was a huge... I love The Jinx. ...was a wild thing because... Uh, Robert Durst uh, outed himself as a murderer in the documentary. Um, O.J. Made in America was like a sprawling one. Um, Mommy Dead and Dearest on HBO. The Keepers, Netflix. The Staircase was rebooted on Netflix. Um, Wild Wild Country. Um, Yeah, so there's just so many. Uh, And so I guess as a fan of these, uh, Molly, what for you is the, the line? Well, it depends. I mean, it's all kind of bad. I think uh, if you think about it, it's all like a little bit entertaining on people's deaths. Um, I think when it's like an unsolved case, that makes people feel like they can like participate and help something happen, you know? For sure. Uh, Some of the documentaries, though, I feel like Making a Murderer or The Staircase— those are weird, too, because they're, like, sort of about whether or not the person is guilty, and it's very much, like, in the filmmaking, how it, yeah. how it's edited, you know? Right. Yeah. Same uh, with Serial, too, where it's just, like, clearly Sarah she had, had she, like, a yeah, perspective. Yeah, and, she had her biases, and she made them pretty clear from the jump. And I think, yeah, I agree with you about making a murderer and also uh, the jinx. 
Um, I haven't watched the Ted Bundy one because that one for, just grosses me out on yeah. principle. And I feel like that's the one that a lot of people have been like, too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I tried to watch it and it honestly is like, one, it's like they're just like so horny for Ted Bundy. Ew. And they're just right, like. Right, which is like, yeah. he's not hot. That's the real thing that's come up, I feel like, is people are like, like, what is, you know, he's, yeah. he's not hot the legend of him being hot and picking people up. It's like, no, he's like a creepy adult man who picked up like teenagers. And again, he's like hot for like compared to who? John Wayne Gacy? Like, sure. Right. Within the realm of serial killers. Uh, And then there's, you know, people who are like, do you think he's hot? Mm. And I saw people just being like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I agree. What is wrong with people? A question I ask every day upon waking. It's yeah, yeah. that one. It's it's also very weird because um, before the podcast, I was talking to Megan about how I think I turned it off in episode two because mm. there's this very weird montage of uh, reporters talking about these dead women and like the amount of times they were just like rape, dead bodies, bodies remained raped had sex with them, raped women, dead. And I'm just like, this is, feels like I'm watching like a poorly done American vandal. Like <laughs> it's like that over the top and grows. Yeah, it's definitely, you can overdo it. Like I started watching a lot of Investigation Discovery a few years ago. Do you guys Ooh, ever yeah. watch that channel? I yeah. not yeah I have ID. not, but I know what it is. <laughs> the ID network is all shows like that. And they have names like Wives with Knives. <gasps> uh, who the bleep did I marry? Yes. They're <laughs> all just like, and like, then there will just be like a hundred stories of people who married someone who turned out to be crazy and killed them. Oh. And like a oh. hundred stories of like Wives with Knives, wives who killed their husbands for something. Um, those ones are more palatable, but there's a lot that are just like, a woman was abducted. A woman was minding her business. Mm. Yeah. And she was abducted and killed violently. Uh, like, and if you watch too many of those, it's like you cannot live your life at all. Yeah. No, it's it, it can be debilitating. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you read uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, that uh, Michelle McNamara book about the Golden no, State No, but Killer? I watched the 2020 special that summarized Mm. Um, the book was stuff. good. I liked the book. Yeah. I was surprised that I liked the book, but I did. I mean, it's but it's one of those things that listening to it and reading it, like, in my studio apartment mm. by myself was just sort of oh, like, yeah. oh, great. Like, I'm just going to get murdered. But in a way, it was comforting because I'm like, I've done everything I can to not get murdered. <laughs> the rest is out of my hands. Oh, I was going to say, people say that, like, women are the main audience for a lot of true crime stuff, which I guess mm. makes sense. Yeah, Maybe because a lot of it is based around the idea that, like, the case will get solved and that's kind of, like, in, doesn't happen really in real life as much as you want to, you know? Right. Or so rarely. The idea of, like, a serial rapist being apprehended and, like, brought to justice is, like, so rare mm -hmm. that yeah. I think we're all just like, oh, look, ethics in <laughs> <Yeah>. action. <laughs> I've always felt that way about um, Law & Order SVU mm. in that it's, like, a fantasy world where, like, cops do their jobs and, right. like, treat victims with dignity. <laughs> right. And everything is resolved neatly in the end, like an episode of House Hunters. Or, I don't know, at least it's, like, 
Olivia Benson cares. Right. right. It's Sometimes like you, they yeah. have the depressing ending, but then it's like Olivia Benson, like looking off into the distance, like, mm. oh, you can't win them all. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> I mean, technically you cannot. So that at least there's that for real life, for authenticity. I mean, one of the interesting things about the book about the Golden State Killer is that um, it kind of was message boards that helped solve that case. Mm-hmm. Um, which I found so interesting in that, like, there's, like, these hobbyist detectives across the country who are, like, in the message boards of, like, I, you know. Right, I, but it's I, such yeah. a fine line between those people and, like, the Pizzagate people. Yeah. Right. Or the people who are just murdering people. <laughs> like, right. The, like, the Pizzagate people think they're solving a mystery also. Sure. Right. You know, using the power of the internet. It's, it is, it does seem dangerous to me for people or like, I feel like there's been a lot of stuff where like, didn't Reddit like falsely claim somebody was the Boston bomber yes. once? Like some of that yeah. stuff yes. too. I feel like people are like, we're going to solve the case. But it's like, I think we're going to spread misinformation. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that when like, I, I'm trying to remember, I remember after Serial finished, there was a lot of someone, there was someone in my life who became obsessed with the case obsessed with Adnan's uh, innocence and like devoted the rest of like the uh, the rest of her career to trying to like prove that he was innocent in a way that I was just like this is insane wait she changed her whole life she started like- doing yeah now she works on like yeah now she does other stuff that like she she started there was like a podcast called um shit what's it called undisclosed which is like the pot fuck, if I can remember the details. It was a podcast that was put out by either a lawyer that was on uh, Adnan's side or something like that um, that was just, like, dedicated to, like, proving his innocence. And she was so convinced that he was innocent that she, like, started doing a lot of work with them and now does work with, like, other, not, like, cold, like, reporting and podcasting around, like, not other cold cases per se, but around, like, stuff like that, like, more... Wow. Crime case. I know it was. I thought that was crazy. Um, and I there's something still do. about giving over your whole life to something really obsessive like that that I understand. Yeah, you have a goal. <laughs> yeah, like I love Zodiac. Zodiac is one of my favorite movies because mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of about just like the you never can get the satisfaction of like yeah. okay, it's done. You know, right. everything is solved now. Uh, and that you can just like spend your life trying to figure stuff like that out and never figure it out and go insane. I feel like the Zodiac Killer um, was slightly ruined for me. <laughs> That's weird to say. Spoiled. I feel like this murderer was slightly uh, ruined for me uh, when like Ted Cruz started to embrace the narrative that he's the Zodiac uh, yes. Killer. That's, that, that wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, Ted Cruz trying to be in on the joke there was definitely... Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um. Yeah, I mean, I also think, like, it is kind of at peak frenzy of these documentaries, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like, you were saying, where, like, there are channels devoted to this and have been for a while, and, like, Forensic Files is an amazing show. It is. It's (laughs) Um, a good show. The husband is always the one who did it. Obviously. Um, And also (laughs) just, like, uh, America's Most Wanted, Mm -hmm. Unsolved Mysteries, like, Nightline. They all do these same... I don't know. I don't think people are, like, more... like bloodthirsty now than they have been before. I just think that no, they, there's a lot of murder mystery that's fiction too that is not based in in real real people's deaths. That yeah, feels less uh, less bad to consume. Here's a question I have uh, for you, Molly, and for you, Megan. 
is um, do you think that these documentaries make kind of the general population like afraid in a disproportionate way? Or like these are really rare events. Right. Like these are things that do not happen that often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like most women who are getting murdered are actually getting murdered in partner violence and, you know, that type right. of thing. So these are really exceptional cases. But with the amount of them, like, does it make you feel more afraid of these things? Does it make your friends feel more afraid of these things? I feel like being afraid of serial killers is sort of like it's such an abstract idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, people don't talk about, like, domestic violence and a lot of less, you know, like, not entertaining, but, mm-hmm. like, less flashy. Like, more pedestrian. Types of violence. Yeah. Yeah, more regular types of violence. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you had, like, the Firefest documentaries, which were about, like, white-collar crime. Right. Which there's, like, a really good white-collar crime documentary called uh, American Greed, mm-hmm. hosted by Stacey Keach. Ooh, I'd watch um, that. And I love that one because it's all just about people, like, ripping people off for insane amounts of money. Um, and, like... That sounds it's, fine. It's, people don't get murdered so much on that right. one. <laughs> That's good. It's sad because people lose their life savings mm. to people that are liars. Um, right. But it's a lot of it is about sort of about how that system is like set up to reward scammers, you know? For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, in the way that a lot of true crime documentaries end up being about like the corruption and failure of the police. Like that's what making a murderer yeah. is really about. Whether you think he, Stephen... Stephen, what's his name, is guilty or not. It's just about how, like, the case was bobbled so badly by the cops. Right. Yeah. Which is also, like, what the OJ thing is about, too. It's like... And serial. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he did it and they fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both like of those things can be true. Yeah. You know? I think that is what a lot of people miss in watching these documentaries, is that, like, it is not just about, did Adnan do it? You know? Right. Um, it's about, like, yeah. It's, the larger... It's how police work goes. It's how... Right. Um, I don't know. And I think people kind of get bored with that because we are, I don't know. The like procedural, like, yeah. We're like, very like excitable chimps who just like want to violence. Know, see and they something see, like yeah. the flash and the gore. I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah, that is a good Stephen point. Stephen Avery. Avery, that's his last name. Um, Correct. <laughs> to answer your initial question, Maddie, none of these scare me. I don't know why. That's cr- I am so afraid of home invasion. That's like not. a huge thing for me. But I feel like I have been, there was a home, in, someone broke into my house like six or seven years ago um, and stole the my laptop, which was on my nightstand while I was sleeping. And also oh, so scary. like something out, like two yeah, other things from my house. Um, <laughs> and I remember I was like, that's like the next morning I was the only reason I found out they stole my wallet or they like took my whole purse. And the only reason I found out is because someone had uh, I went to I got like a call from bank from the bank and then I tried to like go get my card and my wallet was missing and then my computer was missing and it was whatever. Um, for some reason, I was not terribly scared. I was just kind of like, this is really annoying. The police came and they did like a whole that they were like, you sure you weren't drunk the night before? Like they would tried to like pin it on me, whatever. It was fine. And then also when I was really little, someone tried to break into our house, but our neighbor got him. And even though you would think that with these two things in my history, I would be, Maddie's looking at me like terrified. No. I'm just not, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, 
none of these things scare me because I just, I'm the idiot that's like, this will never happen to me. That's very logical, but that is not who I am. Right. Like, I will die of cancer before, like, a man, like, tries to abduct me or whatever. I mean, knock on wood. I will get abducted. Also, don't get cancer. We leave this studio. (laughs) I'll try not to get cancer and I'll try not to get abducted. Personally, the thing that scared me the most of anything, now that you're talking about this, uh, is, spoiler alert for a 20-year-old TV show. Okay. There's an episode of The Sopranos Mm -hmm. where somebody... A character I won't name gets assaulted in a parking garage. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Um, is a very scary episode because it feels very uh, realistic. And right. again, sort of like a commonplace thing that you're like, totally. oh, I don't want to be like on guard constantly all the time everywhere. I'm alone. No, no one but, wants that. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think also as women, we're like, it's really just ingrained in our brains very early like Mm -hmm. you are prey like anybody who's not a white dude I feel like has that feeling in the world uh and that's why it's also like there's something about the fact that a lot of these serial killers are mediocre white dudes Mm -hmm. and then that they get sort of like a cult of personality around them is gross you know I feel like especially with Ted Bundy that's what I've been feeling is like yeah no let's not give this person any attention right right I've noticed that there kind of has been more of a consensus on that uh, with the Ted Bundy tapes mm-hmm. than with anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they're, um, I don't know, maybe there's like a slight turning of the tides or like a fatigue that the general audience there is, is a having. fatigue. I think there's too much at this point. People are reaching the saturation point. Um, yeah. Something that I just thought about that we didn't include on the list, but that was sort of like what I guess I would view as like a misstep. In the attempt to sort of cash in on this in this widespread interest was that, can't remember what it was called now, the podcast that looked, the um, Richard Simmons podcast. Oh, Missing. Uh, missing Richard Simmons. I mean, obviously there was no crime there. There was no, it was th- th- something about that podcast, which I listened to and I remember thinking, feeling like bad and gross about it because that podcast did not. I don't think handled itself correctly. Um, but like, I think there have been because of the, because of the interest and because people are seeing that, you know, shit like this makes money. Like that kind of misstep was interesting to me. Cause I felt like that tried really hard to like be a sort of serial adjacent. It sort of also reminded me of um, S town. That one I did not listen to. That was a podcast, right? S town. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, but I don't know. Do you think that that has any, if I'm making any sense here? <laughs> like if that. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so many podcasts. No, no, no. I mean, just like those two, like S-Town and um, S-Town and the Missing Richard Simmons ones were kind of like, to me, felt like offshoots of um, the true crime yeah. genre. And the Missing Richard Simmons one was also one that made people be like, this is gross. Like, this is like not. You know, you can't just be like a citizen investigator of anything. Like, it, there is a thing of invading people's privacy, especially if you're trying to make a profit a show about it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. That and, one in particular, because it was like, okay, Richard Simmons is gone from the public eye. He, like, obviously has his reasons, and it's, like, not up to you to draw him back out. Right, definitely. Um, and if he doesn't want to be found, then, like, leave him alone. <laughs> what are some of your favorites? Good question. 
I love the staircase. The staircase was the first one that I like my friends are like, it's a eight hour documentary about a guy who may or may not have pushed his wife down the stairs. <laughs> that one, I feel like it does. You just go back and forth so many times. And at the end, you're like, I have no idea if he yeah. did it or not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because she's dead. Right. You know, it's um, and that one's good. I like the ones that are about like true crime documentaries. Yeah, the ones that are a little bit more in-depth and less just, like... Sensational. Yeah. Well, the the ones that admit they're taking a side, I feel like, are more honest also. Sure. Yeah. I feel like there's also a pretty... Like, when you talk about, like, white uh, collar crime documentaries, um, there's, like, kind of a, sh- a schadenfreude involved of, like, being like, oh, like, rich people got screwed over. Like, mm-hmm. it can be somewhat less uh, pressing than just, like... Oh, like this lady just got stabbed to death. Right. Yeah, although in the Firefest one, it ended, not that I have watched it, but I know that it's about sort of like the exploitation of the service workers. Yeah, the people in Exuma. In the place where it was supposed to be. So that one, also depressing. Yeah, real life is is a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like a lot of these are just sort of about like, you know, privilege and like what people can get away with. If people are predisposed to let them. And you can say that about these, like, murderers, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's the thing about Ted Bundy is, like, everybody put him on constantly because they were like, oh, look, he's tall and white and has a chin. You know, (laughs) (laughs) A chin will get you really far. Again, those are standards very low. Yeah, it's so, it's such a low bar. And, like, he's a serial killer. Like, you know, people were saying that, that, the whole time it's about how people were like, oh, you're so, such a promising young man. And it's like, it's, it's gross. That's uh, the shit I hate. Yeah. But I mean, it's like interesting because it makes you think and talk about it. But it's it's illuminating. But uh, yeah, it doesn't, I don't need anything that contributes to like a cult of, of uh, serial killer idolization. It was also sort of funny with uh, Wild Wild Country how people uh, like sort of, I don't know, I saw a lot of like uh, Rajneesh Halloween costumes. Oh, yeah. uh, And a lot of people did. Wild Country, I think people liked because it was a female sociopath. Yeah. yeah, Which is is less, you know, you get less in those documentaries and because nobody died. Yeah. That's my feeling about it. It's like. Didn't people die? Didn't they poison people? But they didn't die, I don't think. Yeah, they didn't die. They just got sick. Oh, okay. They're, like, fine. (laughs) Yeah, they, like, yeah, they were fine. I mean, they were sick. they were fine, which makes it fine. But people were so taken with her to a point that was also kind of insane where you were, like... I didn't love that. No, no, it's not good for anyone to be a sociopath. Right, yeah. Like, we don't need, like... That's, like, the more female drone pilots thing. Like, we don't don't need more female serial killers. Right. That's yeah. not that's not going to be feminism. There, yeah, there, there was like a weird like empowerment narrative, I think, around um, shit. What was her name? Sheila. Thank you. Around Sheila. I mean, the thing I liked about it was that they were like ripping off a lot of uh, white hippies who were yes. like looking <laughs> for something to be ripped off by. You yeah, know? yeah. No, that was They nice. were taking advantage of people who like wanted to be taken advantage of. Uh, so it seemed kind of almost like consensual, you know, mm-hmm, for sure. Consensual exploitation. Totally. It's sort of similar to um, the... Yeah. Which, again, made that one okay to me more so. But then there was another one that came out right after that. I mm-hmm. forget what it's called, but it's the one about the pizza bomber. Oh, um, yeah. The um, uh, 
something. Oh, Evil Genius. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's not oh. called 30 Minutes or Less. That's the movie they made based on the story as a comedy. Right. Um, but that one I, wa- I was like avoiding watching because it made me feel so gross, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up watching it over the holidays. Cheery. And it was really interesting because <laughs> it was another like female sociopath. And I was like, wow, yeah. like nobody really, people weren't flocking to this lady the same way they were, even though it came out right after. You'd think uh, there would be more of a hive for this woman who <laughs> arranged all these murders. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, that was another one that I was... They, like, showed someone dying in the first episode. Oh. And that yeah, was I, that's I, the whole thing. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And then that, ha- like, show someone's head blowing up in the first Jesus. five minutes. And I was like, why am I watching this? Yeah. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. Um, but the thing that's interesting about that one is the woman who sort of set up all the things. She's the mastermind. Um, and everybody talks about her in the documentary. It's like, oh, she just, like, she seduced me. And, like, she enchanted me mm-hmm. and put a spell on me. And then she's like this very sort of regular looking woman, but she's very crazy and self-confident. And that, mm. yeah, that gets you places. Fa- yeah. Found fascinating. Like that's what we should take that and go forth in life, women. But leave the murder behind. <laughs> leave the murder part. Um, home. Do you in general, I know you said that you're a big fan of the movie Zodiac. Do you like this type of like thriller when it's fiction? Yeah, I mean, uh, I also liked Gone Girl. I like I like a thriller that's good. Um, I just watched Basic Instinct again. I like you know I like a movie where people get get murdered in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm not like a furious consumer of of that kind of stuff. Generally, there's just so much of it in the ether, like you're saying. Like I yeah. watch Sharp Objects. Yeah, I couldn't get through that. I watched it. I, I read I'll the book. Patricia Clark couldn't do it. Do anything. Yeah, I I liked it. It seems like. It was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's languorous. It's just long and. Yeah, it was very southern. Sharp objects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just lost. Like I tried the first episode and was like, mm, and then turned it off. A lot of like sipping cocktails yeah, on a porch. Um. So thank you so much for spending uh, this hour with us. It means a lot that you were willing to make some time to talk about this very creepy subject. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. This has uh, been a I pleasure. Talking about true crime documentaries with you. Anytime. Anytime. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Molly Lambert. Manana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. This episode was mixed by Corey Shreffel. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. Wanna send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Uh, you can email us at dirtcast at jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter at dirtcastpod. <laughs>